Sorry, audience. We tried. To get pictures of doggies? Uh, to do anything. Oh, yeah, yeah. But we failed. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Res. I'm your host, Daniel, and with me is my friend, Riley. And today, we're going to talk about Mr. Robot. But before we do that, I've heard that you have pictures of dogs to show me. No. 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 We have follow-up in, in the form of a picture that exists on my phone next to pictures of dogs, but is not a picture of dogs. I feel... But I will send you this photo. I feel as though pictures of cute dogs will need to be discussed at some point in the future. Maybe not now. We'll do like a whole... We'll just wait until the Puppy Bowl happens in February. We'll do an episode on the Puppy Bowl. Hmm. Let's see here. What non... So this is something that my brother Tanner made uh, for the show after he had heard it. That's pretty cool. Um, Do you want to describe what the picture is? It's not a dog, but it's still very cool. It is an old Nintendo GameCube viewed from the top and inside the little viewport that you would use to look at the disc that would be in the system, there is the Res album art, which looks really, really cool. It's kind of like the... uh, um, Actually, I don't think that we really have anywhere for that yet. Um, but like one of the banners that we've been experimenting with. It looks a lot like that. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And before somebody from the internet destroys you for what you just said, it's not actually like where you look at a disc. It's where the GameCube logo would normally be. Wait, is it really not? No, yeah. So it's a drop-in logo replacement. Oh. I'm just used to the... uh, uh, to, to help give some background, I also I never had a GameCube. <laughs> um, I'm used to the the CD players that used to have like the top be open, mm. you know? Yeah. Wowzy. So that's yeah, I permanent. Can see how it would then. look like that. He permanently did it. Uh, yeah, it's like a little plastic circle that you snap in place of the GameCube logo. Nice. Some dedication. Yeah. So. It's real now. We've got real life merch. Contact uh, Tanner if you want more GameCube res badges. I think they're only going for $599 a piece, so it's a steal. Get it while you can. I like how you, you name his price for him. <laughs> he cannot uh, no, negotiate. He, that's what he charged me. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh, oh, God. Okay, well, yeah, you would know then. Yeah. I think it's really cool, Tanner. Thanks for Thanks for showing. Yeah, no, it's super awesome. So not not follow up in the way of uh, anything we've done wrong because we never do anything wrong. But It's follow up in that we've identified our number one fan. Absolutely. At least our best listener. Yeah, yeah, that's probably a better way to think of it. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to think of us as having fans, just listeners that are better than other listeners. It's always good to have an objective ranking like that. 
Yep. Well, that's really cool. Who knows? Maybe if uh, if Bill Gates starts listening, he might be a better listener than Tanner since he's like saved millions of people's lives. But it'd be close. You don't want Jeff Bezos to to listen. I maybe if he listens, yeah, cool. I don't think he would make me a Res GameCube badge, though. So He wouldn't make it for you. He'd buy it for you. Yeah, who do you think he'd buy it from? Hmm. I feel, feel like you won that there. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> so I mentioned that we are going to be talking today about the TV show Mr. Robot. What is Mr. Robot? So, we're going to be talking about season one of Mr. Robot only. There are three seasons of it right now, and there's a fourth that's in production. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we're only going to be focusing our discussion on the very first season of the show. And Mr. Robot is a show created by a guy named Sam Ismail. I might be saying his last name wrong. Uh, It's Mm E-S-M-A-I-L. And it was originally conceived of as being a movie Hmm. Um, but as he worked on the script it started just kind of ballooning up into a bigger and bigger story Um, and so he turned around and took his movie script and and made it a 60-minute pilot which got picked up by USA and uh, is now running on their network Um, the first season has far and away got the highest ratings for the show Hmm. Um, I think viewership actually dropped off a little bit but it got picked up by Amazon Video, and so I think it's been seeing a little bit more of a resurgence in popularity through that. So nice. the show itself is about a guy named Elliot Alderson, and he is a cybersecurity worker at a place called Allsafe. Um, so he, he does all of the security engineering to make sure that the banks and things don't get broken into by hackers. Mm-hmm. And that's what he does for his day job. But at night, he himself is a what's called a white hat hacker in in the beginning of the show. Um, he finds criminals and hacks them and uh, actually now that I think about it, he might not be a white hat hacker. Maybe he does that at his day job. Is a white hat hacker or catches criminals at his day at his day job? No, it is a white hat hacker. So let me back up real quick. Yeah, sure. So you've got these two concepts in hacking. There's white hat and black hat. White hat is you are paid by the target you're hacking to hack them. So that way you can tell them how they're vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Um, But you don't leak any data. You don't, you know, disclose any information. Black hat is you find targets to hack so that way you can do something with their information. In a lot of cases, that's got a negative connotation because it's, you know, breaking into a bank and stealing financial records or something or like, Mm -hmm. you know, hacking Equifax and getting everybody's social security information. Um, But in the context of this show, Elliot is a, I guess, a black hat hacker who instead of targeting like innocent people, he targets criminals at the beginning of the show. Uh, so the opening scene is of him and a guy who runs an internet cafe that he has hacked and found 
that he was a distributor of child pornography, and he reports him to the police. Um, so that's like the very opening scene of the show. But as the very first episode unfolds, we start to find out that Elliot is living in this world kind of uh, like a hyper-dramatized uh, version of the Occupy Wall Street protest movement where you know the the top one percent are sitting in secret boardrooms and running the entire world from their desks um, which he doesn't view as being very fair and so when he gets the opportunity to join this hacker group called f society to hack the most powerful people and the most powerful corporations in the world and try to destabilize the uh, international economy to topple those one percenters um, he takes the bait. Mm-hmm. And so the the first season of the show is all about this hacker by night, security firm, cybersecurity worker by day, um, attempting to find balance about what he believes is the right thing to do when it comes to uh, hacking the people in power in the world and, and revealing their information to everybody. I had completely forgotten about um, the opening scene actually until you mentioned it again. That was that that was some uh, instant catharsis. I feel like because there's like this dude that he catches and he unf- he kind of Sherlock style like explains everything that he did to get there and how he got the data and what he's gonna do with the data and then everything gets resolved and he just like walks away and the dude gets arrested. It was great. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's some very important stuff that Elliot says to him in that opening exchange. Mm-hmm. Uh, particularly, he highlights, you know, the guy starts immediately bargaining with him, like, don't do this, don't turn me in, you know, I'll give you whatever you want, I'll give you however much money you want. Yeah. And Elliot says to him, you know, it's it's not about the money, it's never been about the money. And he just walks out as the police are coming in to arrest this guy, so. Yeah. Uh, the show is very much a a dark show yes both in in theme and in tone um the production style is is somewhat like a a fight club or matrix style production where everything is kind of drained of color and gritty and uh the editing is kind of uh schizophrenic Mm -hmm lots of jump cuts back and forth between things um, and confusing to the viewer. Mm -hmm. And the viewer also plays a bit of a role in the story in that while Elliot is narrating, he's talking to you Mm -hmm. and he references you as his imaginary friend uh, that he's created to, to help explain or to understand this little journey that he's going on. So it's an interesting show it's got a lot of twists and turns um, mm-hmm. and, and is not too happy. I, I've got to say real quick that I feel like I'm feeling a, a, a little bit of anxiety about what to talk about because very quickly into the show is where we get into spoiler territory because everything is important, right? Every little detail uh, it comes back later for one reason or another. So that's mm-hmm. that's probably a really important thing to know about this show is that it's definitely 
a journey. You're not you're not getting little like slice of life or or little side stories all the time. You're on a you're on a track, and you're on a track that that gets going pretty early on. Hmm. Yeah, I think that uh, maybe we could do a quick summary of who all the players in the story are, and that might be sufficient for for non spoiler activities. Yeah. Sure. Um. But yeah, because of I think the nature of TV shows in general, every episode has something important that leads into the next one. Yeah. So before we go too far in, maybe we could do a character roundup. <laughs> Even some of the characters are going to be a little bit hard. But we let's think of them as they were at the at, at the like the first time that they're introduced. Sure. Yep. So we've already mentioned Elliot Alderson. Uh, and we also need to talk about um, his longtime friend from, I guess, childhood is, is mm-hmm. where I presume. I, I believe her name was Angela. Mm-hmm. I can't remember her last name, though. Do you remember her last name? Uh, no, I don't even know if I'm sure they say it. I don't remember it at all. She's she works at the same company as Elliot. All safe um, has a some kind of project manager or or something like that can't remember but she doesn't get she doesn't get involved with all the hacking and stuff she's just his friend from many many years ago then i feel like uh another important person is mr robot who the whole show is named after he is the person in charge of the hacker group f society the guy who initially gets Elliot involved. Um, he's he's kind of like, he's not like Elliot's age. He's he's older, right? Or he looks older. Yeah, yeah, he looks older. And actually, the first time you meet him in the show, he's he kind of like this weird homeless guy yeah. that Elliot keeps seeing everywhere. Um, and then ultimately reveals himself to be the the head of f society yeah and reveals that he has like a mission that he wants to go on yeah and then you've got another completely unrelated person tyrell wellick who (laughs) there's a lot about tyrell uh but um he's introduced early on um when he meets can't remember exactly what the occasion was but he meets elliot and he is revealed to be the vp of security at e-corp mm, i think i think so yeah he's some like really really high up powerful guy um but he's still he's still kind of a young guy he's like swedish he uh he, he seems to be really nice to elliot at the beginning um, but he's got much, much more going on within the company and within like the the dark, shadowy portions of the story. Yep, he's very ambitious. Yes, yes. And I think it's worth mentioning too: the company that he works for, E Corp, <laughs> yes. is one of All Safe's primary clients. Yes, and they are the ones that get. Uh, in the very first episode, E Corp gets hacked, mm-hmm. and Elliot, uh, 
he's got some interesting mental quirks about him, but he every time he hears E Corp, he substitutes evil in place of the E, so it's always evil corp. And from the moment that he says that to you in the first episode, after that point, everybody in the show refers to it as Evil Corp. I loved that. Um, I loved that so much. Which I thought was kind of a nice touch, yeah. yeah. I don't think that they're actually in the real world saying Evil Corp, but that he was just substituting it in his head. I think it, it, it is funny to think about, now that you mention it, that there might have been characters who were saying Evil Corp, but just because of mm-hmm. the very limited perspective, we, would, we wouldn't really be able to tell. Mm-hmm. Um, who else was kind of important in the cast that was really pushing uh, stuff along? I would say that their Darlene and Shayla were both important supporting characters. Yes, yes. Shayla was. Um, she is the uh, Elliot's neighbor, like her, like in 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 their apartment, um, but also mm-hmm. his drug dealer. Mm-hmm. And eventually, girlfriend. So, so close relationship, but also weird relationship, right? Yeah. And then Darlene is uh, one of the members of F Society. Uh, kind of, you know, positioned to be like a brilliant hacker or whatever. Can't remember exactly what she did specifically. I, I remember that she had some kind of specialty. I just can't remember it. Um, yeah, but it seems like early in the show, she's just very good about finding Elliot and like where he is and what he's doing Yeah, yeah. and getting him to like, in the beginning, F society is trying to convince Elliot to join them mm-hmm. and she shows up several times to try and coerce him and, and get him to come along. Yeah. She also has connections with, uh, with the whole other world of, of backroom businesses and and gangs and all that kind of thing that helps f society Mm -hmm. plan out their well reset of the world you know Mm -hmm. so there's there's a bunch of different players all aimed at completely different things uh, you've got the F Society dudes who have their whole plan to try to reset the the financial system. You've got Angela who's trying to keep her head above water in this really hostile world. You've got Tyrell who's who's just trying to put as many people beneath him so that way he can climb up to some higher place. Uh, and then you've got Elliot who. We assume, I feel like, we're dropped into his position where he's just he's trying to do small things to help, but still is having his own issues. And then he eventually gets pulled in every one of those directions by all the other characters, right? Yeah, his whole character goal, I think he even says it in the show, is that he wants to save the world. Yeah. So he's a guy with some pretty big dreams. Mm -hmm. Which is nice. You know, good for him. So I had a couple of broad impressions about the, about 
the the show that I want to see if you are feeling the same way about them, if you don't mind. Yeah, shoot. First, I want to say that the tension that's built up in the in the show, which I feel like tension is the right word, is is really good. It's great. Mm-hmm. It it keeps you focused on everything that's happening. It it makes you want to to hear or really see everybody's perspective and like let nothing go to waste. Mm-hmm. And so I really I really liked that. I don't know if you were feeling the same thing there. Tension, do you when you say that do you mean like dramatic tension? Yes. There are other things though that 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 go into play there that are kind of about the presentation. But even just mm-hmm. the the story that was going on, um, there's a lot at stake, like constantly, <laughs> for various reasons. Uh, yeah, and that was that was cool. Liked that. Yeah, I liked that a lot. I thought it was a good. Uh, it was a show that had a lot of good characters with good motivations that were in competition with one another. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the conflict and the tension that arose seemed pretty organic. Um, and it was also interesting. It wasn't like something that you could really predict the outcome to. Mm-hmm. At the beginning, it's clear that you don't have all the information you need because you're in the perspective of Elliot. Mm-hmm. And so since there's many things that he doesn't know, there's a lot of stuff that you don't know. Mm-hmm. And I think it was a good show because there's a, there's... Something in almost every episode that is surprising that happens that is not, like, cheap. Yeah. It's not some, like, uh, deus ex machina type revelations. It's all it's all stuff that makes perfect, cohesive sense. Yeah. Um, while, while it was still written so that way, you could at least be led down to that conclusion in such a way that you don't see it coming, even though it still makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I liken it almost to a more easy to watch version of Westworld in terms of complexity. Like, mm-hmm. it's a show that you probably wouldn't want to analyze every single episode for minute details, mm-hmm. but it's always at least one step ahead of you. Yeah. Which oh, is a man. good balance. Westworld is probably on a whole other level. You're right, though. Yeah, that thing is a... That's a crazy puzzle box. This show is more like a Rubik's Cube. Yeah. Yeah. That's not a bad little analogy. Yeah, I like that. I like that. You can make a Mr. Robot-themed Rubik's Cube. Hmm. Every side is just red. Yeah. Coming soon to the Tanner merch store for only four ninety nine ninety nine. Oh, God. I thought that it was just going to be $4.99, but you pull a fast one so you you said that you liked the show. Mm-hmm. It would watch again. Would recommend. What are you feeling? Oh yeah, I I am totally gonna go watch season two. Like the moment we're done recording <laughs> this, I I didn't want to watch any of season two because I was afraid that it would like start overlapping all the facts in my mind about what happened when. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I I'm a huge fan of the show for a few reasons one of which is that it is like 
it's it's good entertainment that is smart but is not too smart so you can just enjoy yourself while you watch it yeah um but another thing i like about it is the whole depiction of uh, kind of a, a more computer sciencey area of the world that i don't think you see very accurately depicted very often yeah totally agree um for some of it actually i guess i should say yeah uh, I felt like there were definitely windows where we could see like, oh yeah, I mean, we could follow what's going on here as far as the techno babble is concerned. Like I, you could do these steps to get into this server and do this thing on it or whatever, roughly. Mm-hmm. Sure. I do appreciate that the show didn't take that too far. And at least they, they, they would drop it whenever you needed to do something with the plot. Yeah. <laughs> like there are times where they were like that he would go into painstaking detail to explain like what was happening with this hack and why it was going to do this thing. But then like to get to the next scene, they would go like, and then we're going to plug this raspberry Pi into it. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then it's going to work. We're going to do it. Um, yeah, I think they communicated almost always the most important parts of the hack to yeah. to the viewer. So like if you're if you have no background in computer science and you don't know what a honeypot is, mm-hmm. then there's like a scene that explains, okay, here's what a honeypot is. And you learn that and you don't need to know anything about like the low-level technical implementation of it. Who cares? But mm-hmm. you know at least enough to know the strategy by which these hackers are playing their games. And I think they did a good job of explaining that. The thing that gave me pause about their techno babble, though, I will say, is that I don't think that there's any way around this for a show that's trying to achieve what it's trying to achieve. Like, it's trying to depict the computer science world in a more accurate way, but still be entertaining. Mm Mm-hmm. It, it was at some times a little bit like, excuse me, um, what's the word? Not jarring. I think jarring is probably too strong, but there is some like suspension of disbelief moments that were just messed with a little bit whenever they would make that switch because it was just like enough for me to follow along as if it was real. Mm hmm. But then whenever they would make that switch to, to to fantasy land, I would go, oh, wait, we're not, this isn't real. And so I would change how my mind is, is thinking about this, this. So that way it's back to thinking about it as fiction, you know? I, no, I'm not sure I follow you. What do you mean? Maybe it's a little bit of PTSD from work. <laughs> <laughs> but but um, as soon as somebody talk, starts to talk about, like, like, the actual, like, how steps that they're going to go through or the tech that they're going to use to accomplish something. I, I, I feel like I think about it a little bit differently than if it's Star Trek techno babble, for example, mm. in Star Trek techno babble, you at least, uh, well, I actually think no living human thinks of it as real science or real, real computer science or real tech at all. Mm-hmm. It, it feels like, uh, uh, ways of communicating the 
plot and the setting for like two seconds and then you go like oh they're gonna have to run to the other side of the ship and do this thing Mm -hmm. this one at least was real enough where my mind would be thinking about something practically and then whenever they would switch back over to the star trek techno babble it'd be it'd be like oh wait we got to think about this a little bit differently we got to think about this in terms of plot now um Mm. So you and were it, trying to more think about like the actual, if I'm sniffing Bluetooth devices, mm-hmm. how do I get into those Bluetooth devices once I've found them rather than, oh, he found a Bluetooth device. Now he's hacking it. Yeah. And it's, and it's not like I was like trying to do that. It's just how my mind was like experiencing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I would just like to to say that it wasn't like a big deal. It was just something that I noticed. And I was like, oh, yeah, well, we're getting a more realistic representation, but there's still like some rough edges to it. Yeah, I think I think they struck a pretty good balance. I think if you are on the outside of the domain mm-hmm. of computer science, it's probably like almost too much. Yeah. Um, and then if you're on the inside, it's like, Okay, I get what you're saying, but it doesn't seem real. Yeah. Um which is a it's a hard balance to strike. Yeah. Like it's one of those I think you just have to kind of grant that this guy has magical hacking ability that he knows all of these hardware systems and software systems inside mm-hmm. and out well enough that he can just, you know, hack people. Like it shows multiple times throughout the episodes. Elliot just literally hacking somebody who's in the room or somebody that he just met, like yeah. pulling them up on Facebook and looking through all their information and grabbing all this data about them. And it's like, okay, that's probably there's somebody out there that can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it seems very unreal. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, there's a little suspension of disbelief you have to have about his magical hacking powers. Mm-hmm. I loved the times though, whenever somebody would try to start talking to him and then mm-hmm. you, I, I at least would have forgotten that, that the show would do this. And so it was new every time they, they paced it out well enough. He would be talking to somebody and then their voice would just fade out. And then his internal monologue would start talking about everything he already knows about. Them. Oh yeah. <laughs> I loved those <laughs> moments. Yeah. And you made a comparison uh, earlier to, like Sherlock, which I think is a really good comparison. It's it's very Sherlock-esque, except instead of being excellent at deducing things about people from how they look and how they smell and whatever, mm-hmm. Elliot just knows these things because he's hacked them. Yeah. Yeah. I feel as though one thing that we should clarify briefly is what we mean by hacking. Mm-hmm. Um, because there was like legit, like I'm in the mainframe and I'm deleting all of the things or whatever, like the computerized hacking, but there's also a lot of social engineering in this. Um, yeah, that's true. It's not just about what you can get from a computer, but it's what you can get from a person. Right. So can you like distinguish, maybe give a couple examples between computerized hacking and social engineering? Yeah. So computerized hacking there were times in the show where they would need to uh, they would need to put something into a computer that they have 
guessed the password to or they've gotten in through some other means, right? And that's that's more computerized. That's where you're you're you, there's a dude like sitting at a computer, maybe other dudes sitting around them eating nachos and they're like <laughs> they they they're like doing something with a the computer. They're click clacking away. The social engineering stuff though is another way of getting at something that you need to accomplish your goals. A lot of times it's still another computer after that, but you're still like talking to a person, lying to them, using information about them against them. Uh, there's even some times where they would use technology to like make their phone ring with some fake message. And then they respond to that in a certain way, like they 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 stop they stop paying attention to you, and you can do what you need to do or what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, that so that's the the thing that most people probably wouldn't think of when they're thinking of like or when we talk about hacking. It's not just about what you do with a computer; it's also about what you do with the people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like if there's a person standing in front of a locked door it's the difference between sneaking around them and picking the lock versus Mm. talking to them and persuading them to give you the key yes yes very much so um and they yeah it's a good call out they do both of those in the show to pretty great effect i think that seems that seems to be uh elliot's thing is the merger between those two because he almost always uses mm-hmm. either data that he's stolen or whatever to change someone's mind about something or to lie to somebody about something. So that way he can get to whatever computer he needs to get to. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. Yeah, he's got this internal monologue that he says a few times about how well he understands people how they're kind of open books to him and how he can do whatever he wants to manipulate them. Mm -hmm. Kind of a weird egotistical rant. Mm -hmm. But it keeps panning itself out in the show. He keeps, with all the information he's got on somebody, being able to accurately manipulate them and tell them the thing that they want to hear, that he wants them to hear in order to accomplish a goal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's very neat sequences throughout that show that. Yeah. There are some sequences too, without getting too much into spoilers, that shows these happening to Elliot as well, which I think is cool. Cause it does break that that ego that he has multiple times. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that's satisfying. You don't want a protagonist that's just like completely full of themselves always. You want for them to have flaws. You want for them to fail. Right. Well, and this guy's, Elliot's got some flaws. <laughs> for sure. Oh, yes, he does. Uh, what did you think of the, the, like the depiction of his mental illnesses? Mm. So... In the show, it's it pretty upfront. It talks about how he's got like generalized anxiety disorder mm-hmm. and a kind of uh, paranoia, mm-hmm. um, and how he does uh, what is it, meth, 
Morphine. Or was it cocaine? Morphine. He does morphine, and he's got, like, a a drug to use to treat withdrawals from morphine that he takes in conjunction. So he's kind of a junkie addict as well. Yeah. Um, What did you think about how they depicted all of that? I think that um, one of the strongest things about this show, or one of the strongest things that this show is able to accomplish, is using the entire season as a way of visualizing his mental illnesses. Mm. I don't think it's too much to say that he, he talks about those two mental illnesses at the beginning, but there are more. Mm -hmm. And I thought that they did a, a good job with that. There are times where, um, the audio would work to this end because you can kind of, uh, how, how do I say this? There are times where people's voices fade out and music comes in, which mm-hmm. I feel like is a way of communicating anxiety a way of communicating distraction from drugs or ADHD, any of those kinds of things. Right, right. That's a technique called self-soothing that I actually noticed a few times now that you mention it in the show, where whenever something stressful starts happening around Elliot, he kind of substitutes in his own Mm -hmm. background music for that. So and he must be good enough, I guess, canonically to just have it go in his head. But does you sometimes do self-soothing with like headphones, or is it is it something that's just in your head? Um. So you can do it with headphones. You can do it just in your head. You can do it while you're like you can just sing to yourself or hum to yourself, or mm-hmm. it's any sort of like either physical or auditory tick that you do to reassure yourself gotcha. that that you're okay um a lot of times it like distracts you from what's going on just like you're saying takes your mind off of whatever it's fixated on the the way that it's used to the best effect to me was whenever that would come crashing down whenever the music would stop mm-hmm. and the world around mm-hmm. him floods back in and that was usually when mm. something very important was happening. Mm-hmm. Did um did you notice other things? Because there, there's there's a lot of things that I'm sure I might not have even seen, um, because there was a lot going on in his head. Hmm. I I think that the tone of the show mm-hmm. itself is a kind of reflection of his anxiety disorder mm-hmm. um there's a few times throughout the show where the the camera takes a break from the actual action of the plot mm-hmm. and focuses in on more like these abstract notions of there's shady people running the world and they're all manipulating us behind the scenes mm-hmm. and none of us are truly free um those types of of rants Mm -hmm. and it's elliot the whole time going on these rants and just kind of like disconnecting from Mm -hmm. reality and and 
focusing, like hyper focusing on these, uh, these like little rabbit holes that he's dug into his own mind mm-hmm. that I think are all very related to the core themes and statements of the show, but I think are uh, kind of representative of how much the tone and the the message of the show is affected by us looking at it through his eyes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think it's interesting. There's probably other characters in the show that you could try to look through their perspective and maybe you would see this whole thing through a totally different lens. Um, yeah. But... I don't know, like personally, the lens that Elliot looks at it through is one that I feel like I've looked at things through mm-hmm. a lot. And so it was almost like comfortable to to hear some of the things that he was saying. It was there were a few times, honestly, throughout the show where I was like, oh, my gosh, he gets it, um, which probably isn't a good sign for me. I, I, I because of the breadth of his mental illness portfolio. Yeah. <laughs> I would not be surprised if there if there are many things that can relate to people because we the modern life is is not the easiest. Mhm. Anyway, that's all to say that uh if you if you personally feel that way that like there are there are times where you hear either Elliot's rants or something about the presentation of the show and you're like my mind works like this sometimes I would say that that you it might be uncomfortable for you to to think that but it also might not be as rare or as necessarily bad as you think it is oh so it it didn't really feel like bad okay good it was more like it, it was more um I don't know, for me, like a very, in some ways, reassuring, like, mm-hmm. depiction of this, like, this is how I feel sometimes. It really is this way, specifically with regards to, like, the uh, general anxiety that leads to sort of manic depression. Mm-hmm. Um, like, going down that train in the show, watching that happen to Elliot, mm-hmm. it was a really weirdly like self-empathetic experience for me mm-hmm. of seeing that happen and, and and just really understanding what he was going through so like you're saying he's got many other mental health issues beyond that mm-hmm. so it, it's it's kind of an interesting <clears throat> pastiche of mental health issues all bundled up into one person that maybe many people mm-hmm. can see something in like you're saying and relate to Quick question: What pastiche? What does that mean? It's like a, like a collage, like a smorgasbord. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Like a flim flam. <laughs> no, I think a smorgasbord might actually be a pastiche. Anyway, the uh, hmm, that's something that I think that the show could be very proud of is depicting mental illness in a way that is relatable, coherent, uh, helps the the 
the viewer understand what that's like to a degree Mm -hmm. without it being like a PBS program. (laughs) Right. Like it feels more real in this context because it's, it's not like a scientific depiction. Yeah. It's more of an experiential depiction rather than like an outside in. Yeah. You know, here's, here's what depression is from a rational view. It's, Here's what feeling anxious is like from within. Here's what an anxious person is thinking and seeing and feeling. Yeah. Um, Which, I don't know. Maybe if you've never felt those things, that's hard to recognize. And you just look at the guy and you think, oh my gosh, he's crazy. Um, I'm not sure. How did you feel about all of that? Like, was there there anything that you saw that you empathized with? I think that... um because it's it's not exactly like a perfect representation um of the mental illnesses there are different ways to see things so where mm-hmm. we both saw um with the audio uh maybe a person using uh god what did you call it self self soothing to get through an anxious mm-hmm. moment i feel like i i could have also interpreted that as like a uh a uh what's the word an overstimulation moment mm-hmm. akin to autism but maybe not like actually autism you know like if you if you're in a stressful situation it might also be an overly stimulated situation so it felt like an, a, hmm. a representation of autism. I guess is what I'm trying hmm. to say. Like that the the music came from outside and was like the additional stimulus that pushed him over the edge. Yes, or yes. and the and the, the oh. music isn't this like many things in the show. Not everything is like a literal representation of what's happening. Mm-hmm. It could have easily been a stand-in for for actual over stimulation of visual auditory everything Mm -hmm. so i saw those kinds of things in addition to what we've already discussed uh, and i thought that was kind of cool yeah it's interesting to be to to maybe show another perspective to all of this representation of mental illness we might have you know hardcore listeners who will come back to us and say that like this is nothing what it's like to have a mental illness and fine I just think that we're both pointing out uh, that we saw representations of how we understood mental illness to be or how we've at least personally experienced it. So it's, it's, it's a super subjective thing because you're inside somebody else's mind, you know? Yeah, it's definitely not one size fits all. Yeah. But it is interesting to have a main character that has so much power yet struggles so much with himself oh yeah absolutely and that's actually it's we've been talking about elliot's perspective quite a lot um but i do think that that statement applies in a different way to many of the other characters too Mm -hmm. i think that everybody in their own way was swept up in 
either something that the other characters have done or in something that just the world has done and it it takes away some of their agency hmm. happens to Angela throughout her arc happens to Tyrell uh, he kind of did a lot of that to himself but it happens to Tyrell mm-hmm. we'll get into some more of the details of how but I, I at least saw that like even though they were highly effective people, they they changed the world in a lot of the things they did. It didn't stop them from still being under some somebody else's or some other entity's plan. If that mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think each character is kind of their own exploration of that theme of what do you do with power when you get it Mm -hmm. Elliot has power but not power in the ways of how the world works Mm -hmm. just power through his ability Mm -hmm. and he's trying to use that ability to help other people but to also help himself and try to fix himself and make himself feel less alone Mm -hmm. somebody like Tyrell has lots of power in the way the world works. He's, you know, a high-ranking business official, but he himself doesn't really have any extraordinary skills or abilities. He's just kind of playing a, a game to get more artificial power mm-hmm. and and is struggling with that along the way. Uh, whenever he's getting continually told, no, you don't have enough real ability yeah. to, to make a difference. Um, so I think there's each character kind of struggles with that. And then you get somebody like Angela who doesn't have it. We're led to believe she doesn't really have any technical expertise and she doesn't really have any real world power, Mm -hmm. but she's trying to get both. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. She also, I feel like just gets pushed from outside so much that her own willpower just ends up bursting forth and Mm -hmm. she towards the end becomes so important Mm -hmm. to whatever future this show has after season one very she's kind of a a background character in some ways at the beginning of the show Mm -hmm. and then over time really comes into her own So I don't know if you have any other general questions, but if not, we can we can go straight into some of the details. I feel like I'm bursting. There's so much of the spoiler territory I want to talk about. You made a lot of notes for this one, didn't you? Uh, I made so many notes. I I took I took notes for every single episode. Oh wow! Yeah, uh, I'm not gonna go through everything though. I have a distilled version. Um, Honestly, most of the lines in my notes are me saying like, Jesus Christ, don't do this. Oh my God. Oh, shit. oh, shit. like at various points. <laughs> so so you, you're seeing them do something on the screen and you decide maybe if I write this, it'll be different. I don't know. I was just like living through my fingers, you know, like I was just like typing mm. what my what my body was feeling. <laughs> yeah. 
but yeah, I feel like let's 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 dive. Let's go over our non-sponsors, and then let's let's spoilerize everybody. Okay, cool. Well, I am gonna get up, and get some water, maybe use the bathroom, okay. mosey around, and we'll come back to the, all of the spoiler stuff after the break. Awesome. I'm gonna eat some cheeses. Cheeses. Oh, they've been sitting on my desk. I have politely waited. This episode of Res is brought to you by empathy. Yes, I'm referring to the basic human capacity to understand one another's situation. If Mr. Robot has shown us anything, it's that everybody could use a little dose of empathy these days. Imagine you find yourself sitting in a big, important business meeting where you are discussing a life or death situation involving your employees and their families. Take a second to put yourself in their shoes. Would you want help from your employer in the event that you were cancer-ridden from your employer's mismanagement and negligence? A few seconds of thinking about it should lead you to the right conclusion. So remember, everybody, empathy is always there to help you make the right decision. It's just a simple matter of not being a psychopath. Thank you, Empathy, for your sponsorship. We're proud to say that this episode of Res is brought to you by Brilliant. Brilliant is the online solution to keep your brain sharp and focused and at the ready. Brilliant has many different kinds of mind games, mind problems, all designed for you, specifically you, to make your brain magically smarter. Hop online over to brilliant.brilliant and try out some of their internet problems that have nothing to do with your past, your online account information, your shady dealings in back rooms, and get smarter today. Brilliant promises that they will not in any way hack your computer or your phone or tap the microwave in your house to watch you through a secret hidden camera that was installed by GE whenever they built the microwave. Brilliant is there only to make your brain smarter without you really understanding how it's doing it. So try out Brilliant using our offer code RESROBOT. That's RESROBOT at Brilliant.Brilliant. Thanks for Brilliant for sponsoring this Brilliant episode. This might be frustrating to the listeners, but I actually want to start at the end to voice oh, my okay. my really my only major complaint. Okay. I actually felt as though the last episode was one of the weaker ones. Mhm. Obviously, it had so much leading up to it that mm-hmm. the important stuff had already happened. Yep. But I feel as though there were a lot of key things missing from it that made it less um, satisfactory. Spe- specifically, hmm. I spent most of the episode wondering if the world's economy had actually been destroyed. Right. <laughs> And and you don't really get the answer to that? No, not really. Kind of. It's it's more like mm-hmm. a 60-40 split. 
I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, additionally, kind of in the same thing, you don't really know what Elliot's thinking at the end. Like, has he mm-hmm. has he had his clarity, or is he like completely insane? And that's where it just leaves you. Mm, right. The biggest thing, though, in this whole set that I was less than satisfied by was where the hell did Tyrell Wellick go? Right. Where is he? I don't know. Somebody that was as important as him shouldn't have just been missing, right? Yeah. I I don't know how much of that was they didn't have time to put it in the episode or they intentionally wanted to leave a big cliffhanger so you'd come back and watch season two. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know how confident they were that there would be a season two. It seems like they were pretty confident if they were willing to leave that many yeah. big things open-ended, but <clears throat> yeah. Um, just to give like a three minute summary of all of the things that happen mm-hmm. in this 10 episode season of Mr. Robot. Yeah. I'll go kind of character by character. Elliot, mm-hmm. the main, main dude, uh, a few important things happen to him. He joins F society, tries to take down evil corp, gets involved a little bit with a, Chinese hacker group mm-hmm. um, who remains mysterious throughout the season finds out that the guy uh, running Mr. Robot is his dead dad mm-hmm. who has to Elliot been dead for you know 25 years or something crazy um, whenever this gets revealed to Elliot he goes crazy Find like his dad finds him they hash it out, and then he figures out that actually his dad is a figment of his imagination. Yeah. So he's got kind of a fight club split multiple personality thing going on where he's been shouting at nothing this whole time and mm-hmm. beating himself up. Um, anyway, he figures out his dad is just a figment of his imagination and that he's a crazy person and leads F Society through the takedown of evil corp destroying all of their backup servers and sending the company into an economic death spiral um with the intent of crashing the entire world stock market Mm -hmm. so that people can be free of their debt Mm -hmm. so that's kind of elliot's whole trajectory by the end like we're saying he doesn't know if he's crazy or not or if he's resolved that or uh, there's a few other kind of things that happen to him like his girlfriend who is the drug dealer gets killed Mm -hmm. his therapist uh that he's seeing he like goes insane on and reveals that he's hacked her and like all the things he knows about her and really screws with her personal life Mm -hmm. um so he's he's pretty messed up by the end of the first season and he's rejected many offers from tyrell and from evil corp to join them yeah um, and he loses his job at Allsafe. His his boss figures out that something isn't quite adding up with him. Yeah. Um, and so he loses his job. Yep. Uh, so the other two main characters that I'll summarize are Tyrell, yeah, Wellick, and Amanda. So with Tyrell, he uh, 
It is Amanda, right? Or did I, Angela, uh, sorry. I think it's Angela. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So the other two main characters I'll summarize real quick are Tyrell and Angela. So Tyrell is revealed in the first episode to be one of these shady men that are trying to rule the whole world mm-hmm. through behind-the-scenes power. He is gunning for the CTO position of Evil Corp. Mm-hmm. The current CTO, uh, it's like Terry Colby or something, yeah. gets outed by Elliot as part of this whole hacking scandal that happens at Evil Corp in the first episode. Elliot frames him mm-hmm. and gets him taken down. So the spot for CTO opens up at Evil Corp. Tyrell tries to get after it. A another random guy gets the job mm-hmm. and he's like infuriated by this. So he does basically everything in his power to get at this guy, including trying to seduce his wife, mm-hmm. even though Tyrell is married to a woman who's pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um who seems to be equally as psychopathic as him when it comes to get power at all costs mentality. Yeah. Um, he... So he tries to seduce this, the new CTO's wife, is unsuccessful at this, tries again, and then kills her in a fit of rage mm-hmm. and kind of just disappears mm-hmm. after that point. So he... He learns from Elliot what Elliot's plan is, and it's somewhat insinuated that Elliot may have killed Tyrell. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that might make sense. I didn't think about that, but that might make because sense. Because he wakes up. Yeah, he wakes up in Tyrell's car in the last episode after having like been blacked out for three days, and nobody knows where Tyrell is, including his wife. So, so Tyrell kind of vanishes a little mysteriously. And then Angela, her arc is she's, a, like Daniel said, a project manager or whatever at Allsafe, ends up not doing a great job there. She's got this boyfriend who is cheating on her, who's also a complete moron. It's terrible. Like, picks up the flash drive and puts it in the computer level moron. Um, except he does it with a CD that some dude on the street is like handing out for free just quick psa if somebody gives you something to put in your computer and you don't know them don't put it in your computer destroy it's always a bad idea um put it in your friend's computer (laughs) so angela finds out that her boyfriend stupid boyfriend is cheating on her Finds out that he is responsible for the Chinese hacker group learning about uh, F Society and Elliot's plans and hacking into Allsafe and decides that she's just going to push her stupid boyfriend over the edge and basically make him comply with everything that the Chinese hacker group is asking for, kind of ruining his life and his job prospects um, at the same time freeing herself of him. Mm-hmm. And she kind of in this process uh, gets a job at Evil Corp. So Terry Colby, the old CTO, she hates him because he was CTO during a time where Evil Corp decided to basically ignore 
a problem that they knew about that resulted in the deaths of like 25 of their workers. Angela's dad was one of them, and so was Elliot's. They both got cancer and died. Mm -hmm. Or no, it was Angela's mom. Yeah. Um, Angela's mom, Elliot's dad. They both got cancer and died. Uh, So Angela spends all of her free time after ruining stupid boyfriend's life trying to build up a legal case against Evil Corp and take them down. She Mm -hmm. gets noticed by Terry Colby and all this, who ends up getting her a job at Evil Corp because he likes how, I don't know, he likes her moxie or whatever. Um, And she takes the job. So she works at Evil Corp whenever they're being hacked and whenever the whole world's falling apart. And the CEO of Evil Corp starts taking a liking to her and Mm -hmm. showing her how to present a face of bravery and all of the peril that they're up against. Mm -hmm. Um, And she seems to be kind of attracted to that level of confidence and power. So by the end of the season, she is maybe somebody who's taking over the reins in some ways at Evil Corp and becoming more instrumental to what they're doing. So Mm -hmm. those are like the, the big main characters and how they change throughout the show. Um, like Daniel saying, by the end of this first season, we're in this state where Tyrell has disappeared, Evil Corp has been hacked, and their market cap has basically disappeared. So they've they've lost all of their economic value. Yeah. And Elliot is still insane, and Angela is becoming powerful at a company that is falling apart. Yeah. And it's out of all of all of those like three threads that that I felt as though they weren't tied together to like something at the end mm-hmm. uh, of the season. Tons and tons of cool stuff happened to get there, which we glossed over because there's just a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. But there the there were just things that didn't make it that didn't get clarified by the end that made it hard for me and that's pretty much my only major problem Mm. i don't know if you had felt the same way about that or if you had other major things about it that you that you took note of like the show i think i would have been more upset about the way the first season ended if the second one wasn't eminently available for me yeah yeah so i think it's a very valid criticism i don't know what else what else is on your list i didn't have any really any outstanding gripes about the show no that's good that means that you have you know like a heart (laughs) you can empathize with the with the creators of the show oh man so deep um one other one thing that I that I do want to talk about briefly is another side character that I that I liked a lot not because he was a good guy but because he was an interesting character to have put in there. Mhm. I liked Vera. Mm. Yeah. I liked, I liked him a lot. So he, Vera was uh Shayla's drug dealer. So Shayla uh, Elliot's neighbor that he that becomes his girlfriend that dies. Her drug dealer was Vera, and he's he's this you know he's introduced as like a typical gangster, like loser, 
Like he doesn't, he doesn't look like an intimidating or like a, or like a force to be reckoned with kind of guy. Um, and at some point or another, I can't remember exactly what pushed him over the edge, but Elliot decided that even though the drugs were going to stop flowing to him, he needed to take Vera down because he was being mean to Shayla or something. And so he does that. He hacks him and gets like all kinds of evidence against him and then presents it anonymously to the cops and they arrest him and take him off to jail. And at that point you feel like, Hey, the good guy did the good thing and he wins. Isn't that great guys? Everybody's everybody. Everything is swell. Well, what the show does is a couple episodes later, they reintroduce Vera in prison and he realizes who put him there. Cause he's actually think he is. He, figures out that it was Elliot and he confirms this by using some uh, cell phone that he had smuggled in and basically lays no he doesn't lay a trap he just uses his friends on the outside to capture Shayla and Elliot and get Elliot to bust him out of jail at the beginning of the episode you see Shayla and then it's very sudden when she's taken away and you don't see her anymore. And it's just Elliot having to get in and hack his way in. And this whole time, Vera seems to be one step ahead. There's a couple times where you feel like Elliot might be able to break through with him because he starts to kind of get into Vera's brother's head and might be able to use him to kill Vera after he gets released. But then dramatically at the end, that's when Vera plays his last card and he shows that one of the other gangster dudes was on top of Vera's brother all along and immediately kills him. So Vera's brother has no chance to do anything against him. And so it's just Elliot at their mercy. And that's when you also find out that Elliot was trying to get Vera out so that way Shayla would go free, but she was never going to go free. She was already dead. And he just like leaves him there completely broken. Vera just walks away. Nothing else that he needs from him. Doesn't matter what Elliot did to try and pressure him into leaving Shayla alone or letting him free. It was all over. And I just thought that was a cool arc because it showed like the super mastermind hacker kid get completely like demolished and it's important to have that kind of thing you can't have everybody be completely the best at everything you know Mm-hmm. well and the person he gets demolished by is somebody with a lot of street smart yeah in in the most literal sense but also vera is he's weird he's like a poet gangster yeah he he like there's a scene, and this is, I think, right before Elliot decides to, to hack Vera, mm-hmm. where Elliot shows up at Shayla's apartment looking for drugs or whatever, mm-hmm. and Vera is there, and Shayla is, like, in the bathroom or something, um, presumably just was, like, raped. Oh, uh, yeah. And Vera is like, no, you can't go in there. You're going to sit out here, and you're going to talk to me. And Elliot's like, okay, fine, you know, don't shoot me. I'll chill out here with you. And Vera goes on this really interesting, like, four or five-minute rant about 
how much he hated himself and how much he wanted to kill himself and how like he finally understood who he was mm-hmm. through doing that, uh, through going through that, and how he still like struggles with it and basically just in some ways like shows himself as being something that Elliot can't be, which is honest with himself. Yeah. Um. And that was a really interesting moment because it kind of revealed that this guy who at first glance is maybe just another typical stupid gangster type that you see in in a lot of media is actually a guy who's thought a lot about himself and about his life and about the situation he's in and has openly acknowledged that he's just going to do the wrong thing. Uh, and, And he's going to do that because that's who he is and that's what he's okay with being. Yeah. Yeah. It was a surprising amount of interesting pieces all kind of thrown together for that character, I feel like. They could have easily had just like a gangster come in and and disrupt whatever plan they have, but it was it was actually showing something about Elliot and about um the overall message of the show, you know? Mm-hmm. Do you think that Vera is going to come back? They did kind of, he did kind of say that he didn't need his contacts anymore and that he could go dark, which maybe gives them the flexibility to do either. Mm-hmm. I would be interested in if the broader audience liked that sequence. Cause I feel like that's what would decide it for me as the writer, you know? Hmm. To give you a less answer, <laughs> I hope he comes back. I would like for him to come back. Okay, that's what I was gonna ask. Yeah. Like, how do you feel uh, whenever you think about Vera versus Tyrell? So Tyrell is also kind of an antagonist to mm-hmm. Elliot, but Vera is in a in a different way. What do you think about those two characters and how they pull on Elliot? Honest to goodness. Tyrell was so bad at everything. <laughs> mm-hmm. Even when he tried to do something really effective and, and like killed the woman or whatever and like really cheated his way really horribly, he was just terrible at it. Mm-hmm. And he had a lot more power, don't get me wrong. Like he was running the biggest conglomerate in the world, basically. Or he could do whatever he wanted with that conglomerate. And Varys is like a street gangster. Vera had a much, much better understanding of what his cards were. Because mm. he didn't just... Whereas whereas Tyrell... He's 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 a, probably a lot like me if I was playing Hearthstone. I would go like, I have Fire Blast, let's do this. <laughs> Not really waiting for the right time to, to, to make his move. Mm. And... That's and you speculated about um, perhaps Elliot killed Tyrell and we just don't know it yet. I think it's entirely possible that that happened because Tyrell was, even though he was like a menacing person and he had all this power, he was just not as big of a challenge in many ways as Vera was. Hmm. Yeah, I think Vera outsmarts Elliot Mm -hmm. whereas Tyrell just kind of surprises Elliot yeah 
takes him off guard because he doesn't really know that much about Tyrell yeah. at the beginning of the show. Uh, I don't know. Like, it's it's dropped that maybe uh, Elliot killed Tyrell. Yeah. Like, it's very suspicious. I think that's maybe what they want you to think. Do you think that there's any other possible interpretations about where he is? Um, the other thing that came to mind was that he was lying low. Mm-hmm. It's there were there were because he killed this woman and people now know that the woman is dead and he becomes a person of interest. Uh, there there are tons of times where like the detectives try to get to him and at the very end after he gets fired, which is another failure of his, um, he he basically runs away from the detectives, mm-hmm. which I don't know about you, but. Back in detective school when I was there, <laughs> that's a red flag. You try to find that yeah. guy. So I, yeah. I could see him using whatever power he had left to go underground to try to never be seen again. Mm. Do you think maybe he made a deal with Elliot? In exchange for like whatever final bits are necessary to make the... the uh, 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 what what did they call this event? I don't know what they... I don't remember. The collapse of the banking system. Yeah. Like, you, you saying, like, maybe in exchange for information that would complete that? Yeah, because I think it's alluded to in the show that actually uh, Tyrell helped mm-hmm. with the initial hack of Evil Corp. To try and get Colby ousted. Oh, yeah. Now that you mention it, I think I remember little bits like that. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, that was like his first little little move in the chessboard. And then Elliot took that and ran with it to create this whole plan where he's going to destroy Evil Corp and all of, you know, the, the banking sector. That's another reason I feel like Tyrell just failed was that he thought that he could control Elliot. Mm-hmm. When he he just couldn't. There's even though he was just like a like a random hacker dude, he was he he has more abilities than that. And so he completely outfoxed Tyrell at almost every place except for when Tyrell needed to find him. Then he could always find him. <laughs> that was spooky. Yeah, well, it almost makes me think, though, that they really did have a pre-arrangement going on. Yeah, that's true. Uh, for a few reasons. Like like you said, in the opening of the show, Tyrell stops by Elliot's desk just kind of randomly and decides, like, oh, me, one of these high-powered executives, is just going to chat it up with this random security guy yeah. about what editor he's using. Yeah. Um. And then much later in the show, like seven or eight episodes later, as Mr. Robot, Elliot gets in the car with Tyrell and says something along the lines of like, I know your secret. Yeah. So I have power over you still. Um, so I'm wondering if really the, the thing we're supposed to take from that is that Tyrell was the one who reached out to Elliot to orchestrate the hack. Mm-hmm fixed the hack because he he like recognized what was going on in five minutes which is not something that happens in real life Mm 
Um, and then frame Colby for the hack mm-hmm. and get him kicked out. I had completely forgotten about the um, the car scene with Mr. Robot and Tyrell. Mm-hmm. It's weird to think about in hindsight that pretty much like any scene with Mr. Robot and some other character was just Elliot and that character. Mm-hmm. It's also weird to think about Elliot giving orders to himself right. and like those meetings. Yeah, it's a little strange. Yeah. Hmm. Did um did you see the same weakness in Tyrell or am I am I a little bit more critical of his of of his character than you? No, I thought the guy was pathetic. Oh, okay. <laughs> Just wanted to clarify. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's what they want you to think, though. Yeah. Like, he was... it. Part of it, this is going to sound terrible, but probably came down to the casting. Mm. They could have gotten a Chad, but instead they got a virgin. <laughs> okay, do you want to rephrase that a little bit <laughs> so people know what you're saying? <laughs> they could have gotten, like... Like uh, the Winklevoss twins, like a big like. The who? Okay, so I guess that I'll I'll rephrase it a third time. None of none of how my brain works makes any sense. <laughs> <laughs> um, they could have had a dude who was like physically intimidating, like an alpha kind of guy, but they got this mm-hmm. like mildly scrawny Swedish dude to play him, mm-hmm. which I feel like helps to communicate a little bit subconsciously the patheticness that sounds so awful mm. but like that's what people do when they're making these these tv shows they make those kind mm-hmm. of decisions right hmm maybe i think the casting was more to try and make him seem like an evil genius type like he's he's like a velvet devil like a loki yeah very suave unassuming doesn't look like the kind of guy who would be super aggressive and forward about what he wants but actually is and mm-hmm. so he uses his looks to try and mask that maybe yeah maybe but i think as as the series or as the season goes on he becomes so much more desperate that it really starts looking pathetic i think you could tell any time that his hair was messed up that mm-hmm. he was he was desperate or when his face got like as red as a beet yeah <laughs> very red yeah I, I, I feel compelled to say that I don't I do like that his character was there I think it was important I think that we are accomplishing what the writers or excuse me we're fulfilling what the writers wished which is to find him pathetic mm-hmm. and to kind of think that he wasn't as good as anybody else the character was cool like he was he was there for a reason and mm-hmm. I, I, I did like the character Something that we can maybe add a little bit more details to is the reveal at the end that Mr. Robot is Elliot, or rather that Mr. Robot mm-hmm. is Elliot's dad. And I wanted to ask you if you did if you picked up on the little pieces that they threw out to help like foreshadow it but not very cleanly foreshadow it 
specifically, um, I thought that it was ultra mega weird when they opened up that episode with Darlene and Angela hanging out. Yes. That I felt like I, I, I specifically put in here, Angela and Darlene are like friends. <laughs> like what's yeah. going on there? Um, and then what else did, This robot is his dad. How does any of this make sense? I guess that's what I wrote down there. <laughs> or like any time that that people were were doubting what what Elliot's reality was. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you felt the same way, and I don't know that this is a bad thing. But I wrote down here that it felt kind of like the show was gaslighting me. Mm-hmm. They were, they were trying to, con- not they weren't trying, but like the way that everything played out was trying to convince Elliot that he was crazy, but by extension, because we've only had his perspective, they were making me feel like I was crazy, like I missed mm. details. But then in hindsight, I'm able to see that like. Oh, they had things that alluded to this. But some of the the most distant illusions allowable. And it still makes sense. So you're you're speaking kind of generally here. Yeah. Um let's go back to just the reveal about Mr. Robot being Elliot's yeah, dad. Sure. <clears throat> Excuse me. That was one example where I think the illusions only make sense in hindsight. Yeah. Um, one of the biggest illusions, and and maybe this isn't even about Mr. Robot being Elliot's dad, but being a figment of Elliot's imagination, is how many times mr robot kind of just shows up and says like you have to come back to f society and do this Mm -hmm. thing because without you the plan doesn't work Mm, yeah yeah um there were very many moments where like the importance of elliot was really played up and it the first time that you're watching through that and you're looking at it it almost seems like a really strange um like this character is is trying to appeal to the others. Mr. Robot is appealing to Elliot's vanity. Yeah. And being like there's no way we could find another hacker that could possibly do what you can do. So come help us out. And it seems like a weak motivation mm-hmm. until you find out that Mr. Robot is Elliot's imagination and he's telling himself yeah. like you're the only one that knows about this plan, so you need to ha- go do it or it's not going to get mm-hmm. done. Um so, you know, that's like a an illusion that's going on that maybe doesn't seem very clear until you look back. Mm-hmm. Another one is the scene where Mr. Robot pushes Elliot off of the boardwalk. Oh, yeah, that was jaw-dropping, man. Yeah. Because <laughs> even then, I felt like it was weird because I had been given no reason to think that that's what this Mr. Robot dude would do. Mm-hmm. But then it completely makes sense. It's it's him like fighting himself. 
or him just like either passing out or giving up or or doing something crazy, you know? Mhm. Yeah, and what's really cool is I think these illusions work on two levels. Mm-hmm. They work on the first level where you learn that Mr. Robot is Elliot's dad. Mm-hmm. And that is a revelation in and of itself where you're like, oh my God, did his dad really not die? Mm-hmm. Like, has his dad been in hiding this whole time? Did yeah. he just now come back for Elliot for this plan? Is that why he thinks he's special? Is that why he you know, pushed Elliot off of the the boardwalk to get back at his son? Mm-hmm. Um, and then you find out actually he's in Elliot's mind. And so like all of those things that were alluded to get reinterpreted again Mm -hmm. uh, in a totally different light, which I think was a really cool, like, two-stage reveal. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I did like that quite a lot. It it made you rethink the relationships first and then all of the physical interactions second, which is Mm -hmm. pretty much like a TV show. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Everything is contained in those two things. Yeah. What did you think of the scene where Elliot realizes that Darlene is his sister? That was one of the first, like, what kind of things. <laughs> um, because I I identified early on that, okay, Angela's a love interest, Shayla's mm-hmm. a love interest, and then Darlene's a love interest. Seen this kind of thing before, whatever. And then as soon mm-hmm. as, like, it drops that, like, she's like, oh, gross why do you try to kiss me brother it's like (laughs) it's like wait what i put i pinned you i put you in the in the love interest column what are you talking about right and that i think goes back to the show gaslighting me and like messing with my perceptions of reality (laughs) making you feel what elliot felt yeah because i would go back through my notes and i'm like wait I, i swear i put down that you guys are like a thing Mm-hmm. But no, it was a different kind of love. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> if you don't feel a little bit you with this show. You're not really watching. Yeah. <laughs> so That was such an uncomfortable scene, yeah. too, because it was like whenever she pulled away my first reaction was oh no like he's he's misinterpreted every social signal yeah and he is just inept like he doesn't (laughs) understand that she doesn't love him and then it was one of those slow motion train wrecks of like (laughs) no so you had the exact same interpretation of those interactions then right is that Uh like there was something there and then, yeah. in hindsight, again, you can see it and go, oh, it wasn't actually there. She was just being his sister. I thought at first it was like him. I thought it was weird at first because it was like, okay, Shayla just died. Yeah. And like maybe he was like trying to cope with that and rebound and that's why Darlene wasn't okay with it. But then like the longer that scene went on, the more it started <laughs> to sink in. Yeah. Um, where I was like, okay. She's not disinterested because she's not romantically interested. Or, or like, she's not romantically interested because Shayla just died. Mm-hmm. It's something else. Yeah. And, like, the longer it drag on, the more you could see the train heading for the <laughs> cliff. 
And then she's like, I need you to tell me who you think I am. You're like, no. <laughs> In that moment, I didn't initially <clears throat> think sister, by the way. Oh, really? What did you think? I, I thought that maybe it was uh, it was actually Shayla. And that like oh. he had like superimposed a different person over her face. Because okay. he knew that he was, you know, losing it a bit, right? Mm-hmm. So it was it was even slower for me, like because mm. I, I I I had like a, a cascade of rationalizations for this behavior. Yeah. <laughs> and then finally, when it was like all said and done, and it was the worst thing, I was like, "Oh God, yeah, what have I done with this character in my head?" <laughs> right. And I don't know about you, but like the moment she said it, I could see the family resemblance. Yeah, the eyes. Which was weird. Yeah. I could see it more strongly between them, actually, than with Mr. Robot and Elliot. Mm-hmm. I think they probably got the Mr. Robot actor because he's he's a good actor. He was just... He was so charismatic. Christian Slater? Yeah, he's a cool guy. Do you uh, recognize him from anything else? I don't. Has he done... What other things has he done? Uh, so he hasn't been in many like big name live action movies in a while, um, but he was in Archer. Oh, really? He was the uh, android guy in Archer. What is his name? Android guy. Um, have you watched all of Archer? Uh, I'm probably a couple seasons behind at this point. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. If you haven't seen that season, then the the reference is kind of moot. Oh, it's okay. But I couldn't get it out of my head while watching this. Because <laughs> of his voice? Mm-hmm. Nice. Very I've, recognizable. I actually come in here and am astonished to see that he was uh, on the Excelsior in Star Trek Six. the I, movie. Uh, okay. I don't even know anything about that. Star Trek Six: The Undiscovered Country. I think that's the one where they find... God, I don't remember. Is this the whale Star Trek? No, that's the one that's previous or okay. two two previous. Okay. No, it must be the previous one. Oh man, now I don't know. Actually, it doesn't <laughs> matter. It doesn't matter. I shouldn't look at the. I shouldn't look at the movies. I should look at television. <laughs> He's been at it for a while. A while, dude. Uh huh. He's been acting since have... 1977 as a kid. Yeah. He has a great on-screen charisma. Like yeah. every time he was he was in the scene, I was really excited. Yeah, yeah. Agreed. He was top dollar. Most people were top dollar, honestly. Yeah. Did you recognize uh, Elliot at all? Yes, because <laughs> because I've seen Night at the Museum. <laughs> yes. So, like, that's not a good thing, but I recognized him. So, I did not at first. I was just thinking, like, man, that is a really unique-looking guy. Yeah. And then I'm watching an episode. I'm, like, maybe four episodes in, and Luke just walks into the apartment within three seconds, goes, is that Achman Ra from Night at the Museum? <laughs> uh. Like, uh... Oh my god, it is. 
Uh, he's apparently Freddie Mercury in Bohemian Rhapsody, which isn't mm. out yet. But that's the only I knew. I knew of. I knew of him from Mr. Robot, and then people were talking about him online as being in, at playing Freddie Mercury. So, I could see it if they like covered up his puffy eyes. <laughs> yeah, I I think that they just I, I don't remember. They might have just tried to slap a mustache on him. <laughs> call, call that it, a day. Call it good. <laughs> wow hmm. so i i feel like even though i took so many notes we've spoken about a lot of them already mm-hmm. and what we haven't spoken about is just me reacting to things okay give me give me all of your reactions um, I'll I'll talk about episode three because I think that this is probably it's one of the shortest ones, but it says a lot. Here are the points I have written down. It is interesting to follow the VP of Tech or uh, Tyrell. I just couldn't remember his name at the time. I liked that. I say, Jesus, the dinner was so awkward. God. Then the next what dinner was that with uh, the guy who was going to become the next CTO. Oh, wow. That happened in episode three. Mm-hmm. This show moves very fast. And then the next line says, Jesus. Uh-huh. The line after that says, Christ. Uh-huh. One after that says, I want to die. Okay. Then I have a quote. Is this whenever Tyrell is walking in on the woman peeing? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. So much wrong with that. And okay. it, start, it starts the pathetic fall you know like right anyway and then i actually have a quote um i can't i can't remember the exact context but it says semicolon i'm gonna have to let him hug me aren't i but then this is where it gets great i have a line that says yep that's some gay sex because by the end of that episode tyrell was banging that one dude for some reason Oh, yeah. He was having sex with the secretary of the CEO yeah. of Evil Corp to try and get on the CEO's calendar. That helps explain so much. <laughs> <laughs> Were you confused about why he was having sex with this random dude in a nightclub? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I remembered that he was the guy. I just didn't connect that he was important. I, I couldn't remember why he wanted to have sex with him. Mm. And then finally I said she should have broken up with him, which I'm pretty sure was in reference to Angela and her boyfriend because she hadn't broken mm-hmm. up with him yet at that point, which was infuriating because he was yep. such a dweeb. I think he was the one who was going to hug Elliot. Oh. Or maybe, no, it was Gideon. It was Gideon. Yes. Elliot's boss. He was going to have to let Gideon hug him so he didn't like blow his cover yeah. about knowing about the hack. Yeah. Oh man, I feel a little bit bad for Gideon cuz he should Oh my god. He should have been so much more prepared for what he had to deal with as a security guy. Mhm. Like you should need to have contingencies for one of your dudes going rogue, you know? Yeah. But yeah. He was just so nice and he and his husband this were so This is where cute. the social engine Oh yeah, I guess it's true. <laughs> this is where all the social engineering comes in. Yeah was Elliot played him like a fiddle. Oh, yeah. Uh, which was so sad. Like, Gideon, 
he they even say in the show at one point but gideon was like the only good person yeah in the entire show like he did nothing wrong he had no malice for anybody he was just trying to do his job yeah and like run this independent security firm and provide for all these people <clears throat> and because he was too inept he got screwed yeah he did have appropriate reactions to like as he came to realize who Elliot was, mm-hmm. but it was just too late. Just didn't didn't yep. do the right things leading up to that point. Too slow. The only other person that I remembered taking notes on feeling bad about was Bill. Do you remember Bill? Oh, the guy at Steel Mountain. Yep. That sucked. That- that sucked a whole lot. Oh, that hurt to watch. I didn't think Elliot was going to do it. I thought he was going to find another way. Yeah. Uh, to, I guess to explain uh. what happened briefly, um, they needed to get into this super secret uh, server place called Steel Mountain. And Bill was uh, the guy who was in the lobby that started talking to Elliot. And Elliot requested a tour. And the entire time, Elliot was just like saying the right things to get this guy to give him the tour. Um, and whenever he needed to go to a restricted section that Bill wasn't going to take him to, in his earpiece, all of the hacker dudes tell him to destroy Bill so that way they can get to his manager. And I didn't think he was going to do it, but he did. He basically said something to the effect of, like, you're so pathetic. I don't know why you're here. You have such a terrible life. I want to talk to somebody who matters. And you could just see him die. It was so sad. So sad. It was very sad. And it had like this whole montage going over top of the screen of like his Facebook photos of him and his cat and like him living this solitary, sad, middle-aged man life. Um, And so it was like every word Elliot was saying was just another dagger in this guy's heart Mm -hmm. of something he already thought about himself. Yeah. It was really tough to watch. Yeah. Otherwise, I feel like, man, I I just had so much that I felt watching this. And even though it wasn't a perfect season, I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that you enjoyed it. There's one character we haven't really talked about at all, which is the CEO of Evil Corp. Oh, yeah. So yeah. how do you feel about the fact that they casted like an obviously Jewish guy to be <laughs> head of the world's biggest conglomerate? <laughs> Oh, God. Did they confirm he was Jewish, or is this still a suspicion? I. It's one of those, like, okay, he is definitely Jewish. <laughs> um, And I'm not being, like, I'm not profiling here. It's, it is 2AT, the stereotype of the old Jewish executive businessman. Yeah, because... Uh, yeah, I, I, I can see the, the pieces that you're pointing at now in hindsight. Um, it, like other decisions that they made for casting, I get it. Um, I also don't... This might sound terrible. I don't really know how... If we still have issues with Jewish people in business being persecuted... I might be wrong. Do we still have issues? Are we not cool? In real life? Yeah, like in real life. 
I, uh, sorry, can you ask the question again? I'm Googling this guy. Oh, okay. Do we have issues with, with businessmen in, or Jewish businessmen in real life being persecuted? Oh, I don't know if it's a persecution thing. I, I was more asking about like the stereotype of Jewish people rule the world. I mean, I suppose no matter what, it's probably still a bad thing, but I didn't have a bunch of issues with it now confronted with the possibility. I didn't, th- I didn't consider him to be a Jewish person while watching it. Um, but I have, a, I have probably a bad tendency to not, to not worry about those kinds of things when I'm watching something. Oh, I wasn't, like, worried about it. I just thought it was an interesting stereotype that they played yeah. into a little bit. There's there, there's actually a couple other instances of potentially stereotyping that I also did notice, at least, that mm-hmm. I also didn't really have, like, a lot of issue with, but some people might. Um, like Angela, for example. Right. Wasn't a hacker. She was a project manager. Mm-hmm. That's... That's how everybody views women in tech. Mm -hmm. So that was the thing. Yeah. My, my understanding of Vera is that he was Hispanic. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that's another stereotype that they were playing into. So I, I noticed these things. They don't necessarily bother me. I think it's interesting. I think it helps communicate the characters. I'm fine with it. Maybe I shouldn't be. I mean, I don't think it was most of it. I had no issue with them using tropes to communicate subtext. Mm-hmm. The one the one thing that like I wish they would have taken out of the show entirely mm-hmm. was the joke that they made about the Muslim hacker. Oh, yes. Yes. Do you remember that? I have it written down. Yeah. Did she... Is that the one where they said she's got some Allah Akbar in her? Yes. I, I too, was actually a little bit uh, uncomfortable by that. That was so off color. And it was, like, the very first episode. Yeah. And I was thinking, like, is this whole show going to be, like, way more racy than it needs to be? Is this going to be like South Park or Rick and Morty? It wasn't even like a, like a, it wasn't even a funny joke. It wasn't even like ironically uh, insulting. It was just straight up like, okay, you should not say that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It pushed the boundaries a bit because that Uh, is, that is definitely a, a person who in real life, might have suffered from actual persecution. Right. Yeah. So I'm glad that they kind of stepped back from whatever cliff that was (laughs) for the rest of the show. Yeah. So you said, you pointed out that Angela is kind of the stereotype of quote women in tech. Mm -hmm. Um, Tell me a little bit more about that. As uh, I don't know if if you experience this uh, where you work anymore, but definitely um, where we both work together. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'm going to rephrase that. 
because the time <laughs> the timelines didn't necessarily meet up. Where I work and where you used to work, um, that's that's what I see a lot is anytime that there is a woman who is working in our tech org, she's a business analyst, a scrum master, or uh what's the other what's the third thing that i just can't think of qa mm. and it's just nobody who's like a quote-unquote tech person who's a woman and so I, they're not the ones that are like actually developing the software most of the time exactly and so whenever i saw her in that role i was like oh i mean yeah that's that's what everybody sees and assumes a woman in that place would be doing rather than like being a security consultant. But mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's whatever. I think that her, her story would have changed very little if she was a tech or excuse me, a security consultant compared to being the project manager or whatever she was. She would have had the same contacts, been in the same situations. It would have been not very different at all. You think? I think so. It's like, okay, because I kind of feel like it was it was done on purpose a little bit, mm-hmm. um, with Terry Colby being kind of the avatar of people that believe that stereotype in real life. Yeah, where in the initial meeting with Evil Corp and Allsafe, where Allsafe summarizes what happened in the hack, uh. Angela tries to explain to him mm-hmm. what was going on, and he like basically just puts her down in the most rude way possible like you're a woman you don't know what you're talking about you're real cute but get out of my face honey yeah type thing and and elliot he's like well tell me i want the real hacker to tell me you know what happened yeah um and i feel like if she didn't get treated like that she probably wouldn't go searching for ways to affirm herself and her ability um as much like as if she was just another security engineer that, you know, could have filled that role in that meeting. I did completely forget about that scene. That's a good point. Um, Because that was actually her first interaction with Colby face-to-face, right? I feel like that. Mm -hmm. And then she eventually connects the dots about the death of her mom and the hatred becomes blinding, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So that's a good point. It's a good point. But even with that, she doesn't ever become tech savvy. Like she yeah. doesn't become a hacker. She just continues to go down that path of retribution and almost like Tyrell, yeah. like having no real ability, but manipulating other people to get what she wants. Yeah. And she does this with her stupid boyfriend and she does it with, Colby eventually yeah um so I don't know what do you think about Angela do you think that she's gonna go full evil corp and really buy into it or or do you think that there's gonna be uh some some of the light side of the force still in her um well what gets revealed uh after she finally corners um what's his face Colby is that Evil Corp had been preparing for her arrival for decades by Mm -hmm. saving up the money to settle for whatever her lawsuit is going to require, which I feel like 
is what pushes her over the edge and takes a lot of the wind out of her caring and out of her aspiring to actually make the world better. Mm -hmm. So I think the groundwork is laid there for her to slip into psychopathy. Mm. I really hope it doesn't. I like her a lot. I think that Mm -hmm. she is a good force for Elliot and some of the other characters. Excuse me. And I would rather see her as a person who helps redeem Elliot and some of the other characters who have done such bad things rather than doing like a, a switcheroo and have her take Mm. the fall and become evil. Mm -hmm. But that's me being a little bit selfish. It's probably more entertaining for her to go evil, (laughs) but I'd rather she didn't. Hmm. She's kind of a good foil for Elliot. Yeah. Where he's going to maybe try and still be a good guy, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. She might become one of the bad guys, quote unquote. But I feel like this show's really playing a lot with the gray areas. Which makes it hard to predict, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think you see that even, you know, whenever Angela goes to the shoe store. Oh, yes. Um, so sad. In that scene, she's, uh, she was at a broadcast where one of the interim VPs for Evil Corp commits suicide on national television mm-hmm. because of the whole company falling apart situation. Mm-hmm. And he blows his brains out. Blood gets all over her shoes. And the CEO of Evil Corp, you know, gives her some money and says, go buy some new shoes. You need to get those fixed up. Yeah. Uh, And she's like, you don't even care that this guy died? Like, are you serious? Mm -hmm. And he's like, look, I'm kind of happy he did it. He wasn't really that great of a guy. He was a bad worker. Like, Uh, so the world's kind of better off without him. Uh, But go get some shoes if you want to come to this thing that I'm going to be doing in two hours. Yeah. And so, like, stunned, she walks out and goes to the shoe store. Mm-hmm. And the guy there recognizes her. And it's like, oh, my gosh, were you there whenever this dude just killed himself on TV? And she's like, yeah. And he does the same thing to her. Like, How, why are you here buying shoes? Like, what what is wrong with yeah. you? Yeah, you know, shouldn't you be going home and, like... Uh, like doesn't this bother you Shouldn't at all you take a break and she's basically yeah she's basically like shut up get me the shoes that i asked for mm-hmm. um and and it's i think she does that from a different place mm-hmm. than nobody cared about him it's a good thing he killed himself more out of a place of like i don't need you to judge me right now yeah exactly i need to get these shoes so i can get back and keep figuring out what the hell's going on mm-hmm. uh but I think it's that sort of like, just depending on how you look at what she's saying to this guy, mm-hmm. completely changes your take on whether or not she's psychopathic. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I don't know if you feel the same way, but I actually observe that kind of response a lot everywhere. What do you mean? Like in real life? Yeah. Okay. Um, not the same situation, obviously, but if somebody is is 
um, not if they're challenged either in a stressful situation or in a not tactful way, either one. I've seen some people have little moments where they will just tell them to shut up mm. and they'll completely go against what they actually feel, but they just want it to stop. Mm-hmm. And my going theory is that those kinds of moments are what actually change people's, not the only way, but they can change people's opinions about something and completely flip people. Mm. It could be a way that, that people believe things that aren't rational or that aren't, that aren't good to think, but it's because somebody challenged them over something petty or over something that doesn't matter and makes them feel like a victim or like their enemy. Mm -hmm. And then you instantly flip like I shouldn't or not instantly, but you gradually flip to be like, I shouldn't think like this person because they're not on my team or they're not, there's something wrong with them. So is it how they feel about this? Mm -hmm. I see what you're saying. Yeah. In the situation in the story, is that a moment where she went like, you know, maybe people should mind their own business and look after themselves and not, not like get on my case for the bad things that I've done because they're not nearly as bad as what other people have done. Mm -hmm. Whereas the message really should be that, yeah, I maybe shouldn't have actually gone and gotten shoes. I don't know why I'm a... I'm becoming obsessed with being around this CEO guy. I don't know. I don't know what decisions it's making me make, you know? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. It's kind of this, uh, in some ways, an instinct that once you act one way out of duress and mm-hmm. like snap at somebody and tell them to shut up, you realize, Oh, I can do that. And I can be, like, I can present myself in a consistent way and, and you know, live out this behavior that maybe I don't agree with when I see in other people. But mm-hmm. whenever I'm doing it, you know, I've got the most charitable interpretation of my actions. And so it's okay. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. And little things like that build up over time. Yeah. That's interesting. Angela's an interesting character, which is why I'm very glad she's in this. Well, she's she's in the position that she's in. She's front and center. She's one of the big three. Yep. There is so much that I want to find out about in season two. I don't know about you. Yeah, this- I'm very excited for it. This season set up so much stuff. <laughs> it did. I'm going to go watch season two. Like, I'm going to start at the moment we get off this this episode. Yeah. So, I don't know if you've got any other salient points to make, but I uh, I do not. Man, I feel like I've let everything out. Yeah. You feel released? The, the, I do. At the beginning of this episode, I was like, let's just get to the part where I can talk about gay sex. 
<laughs> or Allah Akbar or <laughs> or Vera like mm-hmm. all the really crazy interesting stuff and I feel like we got that I hope that the listener will give Mr. Robot a try at some point and verify our feelings about this because is it fair to say we like the show I, I think it's fair to say I liked the show. I don't know if it's fair to say that you liked it because I can't assume that you liked it because I have empathy for you. Ooh, baby. I got my my turntables turned right there, didn't I? What's I up, assumed, DJ? I assumed your gender. <laughs> <laughs> and then you declined to assume my feelings about the show. That's right. I'm feeling a light six out of seven on this. Wow. Okay, that's some strong feelings. Yeah. I I don't disagree with you, but for season one, I got to give it a five. Wow. I need to see season two. Wow. You're, now you're just trying to lowball me. I am trying to lowball you. You're just trying to take every every score I give from now on and go one under just so you can seem like a tougher critic hey uh i actually give it a four out of seven great because i was thinking like a three out of seven i give it a four out of seven too much gay sex (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i thought it was a four out of seven not enough gay sex oh you've cornered me which (laughs) i guess if i were a character in the show that might be more Anyway, uh, anyway, let me go get my die. Daniel's getting his die, which he's going to roll and determine the category of media for our next episode. What are you? Uh, what are you choosing for the different categories, Daniel? Oh, the numbers. Yeah. Um, movies are one or two okay. on a six-sided die. Uh, books are threes or fours mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then video games are fives or six okay <sighs> let's hear it time to get lucky time to do the luck it's time to get ooh, ooh. okay what did you think no I'm kidding I'm not going to do Black this. Panther no, no, that's too uh, contemporary. Dang, dang it. Uh, 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 Band of Brothers. No. It was, a, it was a movie, so it can't be Band of Brothers. Oh, okay. Gravity. I rolled a one. <laughs> we, we, we already did that. <laughs> you woo. Although I need to add Band of Brothers to my list here. That's a good idea, ain't it? Band of Brothers. Oh no, so, I know what's on your list now. <laughs> so, movie. Movie. Any guesses? Actual guesses. Or are we over this in week seven? Are we done with actual guesses? Any actual guesses. So I know that recently you watched The Greatest Showman and Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, so it's neither of those. Yeah. Um... 
I feel like it's not out of the realm of possibility for it to be something sci-fi. Since mm-hmm. you're on kind of a sci-fi kick lately with your your Expanse book series. So I could see That's you my, wanting to keep that going. That's actually my whole life. I'm a loser. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hmm. Would it be... I don't know. Because I know that you like Firefly, so maybe you want to watch like Serenity or something. <laughs> That's my guess. Mm. Firefly. Uh, n- nothing. <laughs> Oh jeez. So no, it's not Serenity. Okay. Serenity. That's an excellent guess. Serenity is a good movie, maybe for another day. Okay. Quick pause. Do you actually want a double feature? Let's do it. So <laughs> I think it's I think it's I liked doing the drunkard's walk to help like revisit a past thing I've done. Uh oh. <clears throat> and you mentioned a double feature and I want to go back to the late 90s and let's there is an episode between the two insect related animated 3D movies of oh, the time. Oh no. Ants and a Bug's Life? Yes. No way. Let's do it. <laughs> For what it's worth, before you mentioned double feature, I just had ants on here. <laughs> Do you veto? Oh, you had just ants? Yeah, I just had ants. <laughs> Bugs Life didn't even make the cut? No, because ants oh, is more wow. interesting to talk about because it's less seen, you know? Hmm. This is going to be the DreamWorks versus Disney showdown. It's a showdown episode. The gloves are coming off. Okay. Ants and a bug's life. Compare and contrast. Yeah, boy. So. On the next episode of Res. Yeah. So, listener, uh, get yourself ready. Take a gander at those two shows. Come back with your own assessments, your own feelings. And we're going to dive into the world of ants and a bug's life cool thanks for listening uh if you have anything to say about this episode please make sure to go to the reddit thread and leave us a comment so that way we can address your feedback in future episodes yes please other than that hope you guys uh enjoy the rest of your day see you guys bye Oh, Daniel, wait, don't stop the recording. I ain't, I ain't. We gotta clap. Yeah, I felt the tension too. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> count us down. All right, I'm gonna count down three, two, one, and then we'll do three claps, okay? Okay. Okay, three, two, one. Whew. Okay, now you can stop the recording. It is...